You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on the sermon series entitled, Light, Experiencing Christ in the Psalms. My guess is that some of you have gotten up very early in the morning to watch a royal wedding. You know, a few chuckles, a few smiles. Yes, you have, haven't you? Now, I don't really understand that. Like, I, I, I understand staying up till midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning to watch a baseball game on the West Coast. Now, that I can relate to. But Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle, you know, not so much. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to another kind of wedding. I'm looking forward to a wedding that will be the most amazing event in human history. Because it will be the wedding of the groom, Jesus Christ, to his bride, the church. And it will be amazing. Now, I know that the royal weddings are big business. The last one drew 1.2 billion, that's with a B, viewers around the world. 1.2 billion viewers. But our wedding, with our groom, is going to make that seem small time. Because our wedding is with Jesus, and there are a lot of us. According to Pew Research, there are currently 1.2 billion believers living today. 1.2 billion. And in their estimation, since the church began, there have been 13.5 billion believers And that number still grows. And so we are going to be all together at this amazing event. But now is the time to start preparing. It's time to get ready. And we can do that by understanding the truth of who Jesus is beyond just the baby in the manger. We can do that by honoring Him with our whole lives and giving ourselves totally to Him. And we can prepare by inviting others to come to the wedding. So here's the point. The point is, now is the time to get ready to meet the King. Now is the time to prepare yourself to be with Jesus. Now is the time to get ready for the time when you will see Jesus face to face and you will acknowledge Him as King. That takes preparation. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So take your Bibles, if you would, and please turn to Psalm 45. Psalm 45. And if you want to grab that Bible that's in the seat back in front of you, This is on page 471. You can also grab your Ridgewood app as well. We're in this Advent series called Light, Experiencing Christ in the Psalms. And this particular psalm describes the groom in breathtaking fashion. We're going to learn so much about what's waiting for us. And we're going to see that it's time to plan for, train for, get ready for this moment in time when we will be 
with our groom, Jesus Christ. Now the metaphor here of a wedding is thick and it's meaningful. But guys, I want you to stay with me here. Because I know you probably don't sit around looking forward to the next wedding you get to go to. Unless, of course, it's your wedding. You better tell your wife that was the greatest moment of your life. But I can assure you that this wedding is not during a Vikings game, not during a Gopher game, it's not on a Saturday afternoon, not on opening day of fishing. It's going to be an amazing event. And we can all look forward to it. Because here's the first truth I want to give you this morning that's contained, obviously, in this psalm. And that is, Jesus is the majestic and eternal King. Our groom is a king. And that's why this psalm is so right for this topic. So look at verses 1 through 7 with me. What we're going to see here is a description of our groom. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp. In the heart of the king's enemies, the peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So there's a tremendous amount of hope and joy contained in this psalm. It is a psalm that was actually written for the wedding of a king, but it's in the category called royal psalm. It's in that, it's it, meaning that it looks beyond the king, this temporal king, to Messiah, Jesus Christ. So we can read Jesus into the words of the psalm. And the psalm also speaks insightfully about us, the bride of Christ, those 13.5 billion of us that make up the universal church, it talks about us being forever joined with the groom. But more specifically, we understand that it's a gift and an honor to be with the groom, Jesus Christ. And we get a glimpse of how much He loves His bride. How much He loves the church. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes about this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is the groom and the bride. He loves us so much that he will purify us so that we can live with a holy God. 
The truth of the matter is, the bride cannot be holy on its own. We can't just decide to be holy. It is a gift from God who purifies us so that we can live with Him. We can be attached to our majestic King forever. And so He is the King. And it's time to prepare to meet Him. The Bible says very clearly that He will come back for the church. And so we don't know how much time we have. But as we move along, the psalmist in verses 8 through 15 talks about this purity. And it talks about this meeting with Jesus. It will be with purity and wonder that we meet with Christ. And I want to emphasize the word pure because, again, it is He who purifies us. We are racked with sin. We are full of blemishes. We are broken people. Sometimes I'd like to just do a sermon and just use one word, broken. Because we'd get along a lot better if we just accepted the fact that we're all broken people. But you understand that Jesus has to purify us. In 8 and 9, we're not going to read those verses. It talks about the king and how he was adorned with all these spices and there was joyful music playing. But in verses 10 through 15, the meeting of the two, the groom and the bride, is seen. Turning attention to the bride. Look at verse 10. Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow down to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. 13. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold, in many colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. This is the bride honoring the groom. This is the church honoring Christ. And this bride honors her groom. And so we can prepare to meet Jesus by honoring Him. Honoring Him with our lives. Honoring Him with our devotion. Honoring Him by being submissive to Him. And if you look at this wording carefully here, the psalmist gave his instructions to the bride before she was led into the king's presence. He instructed the bride to follow the groom, the king, while forsaking all other people. It was to be only him. She gave herself completely to him. He explained this because the king desired, and there is a stronger word in the Hebrew, the king is enthralled with her beauty. And so she should honor him and him alone. Have you ever even considered this? That Jesus is enthralled with the beauty of his church. And sometimes I think we have this picture of Jesus Oh man, I got to put up with those people. Like, this isn't what I intended the church to be. Jesus is enthralled with his church. He loves the church, he loves us. 
This is one of the reasons that I believe in the local church. I'm, I'm passionate about the local church because we are the bride of Christ. And he is enthralled with this church that he has put together. And then within the bride's procession to the palace, she is to be submissive to him. The wording in verse 11, Since he is your Lord, bow down to him. Then the question comes, after all of this bowing and honoring, does she have any dignity of her own? What is the church really worth? The truth of the matter is, she has incredible dignity and new life because the king's subjects become her subjects. His splendor becomes her splendor. She is united with the king forever. She lives forever in the palace of the king. And so you can begin to see a little bit of how our future begins to lay out in front of us. The Lord's splendor becomes our splendor. His dominion becomes our dominion. His universe becomes our universe. Our future is right in front of us. And it's so interesting how the psalmist here deals with the distractions of Tyre in verse 12. They'll seek your favor with gifts. And Tyre is a messianic motif. In other words, that this rich world full of self-sufficiency and accumulation of wealth will one day bow at the feet of Messiah, Jesus Christ. So don't be distracted by that. Don't go there. Keep your eyes on the groom. We will live one day forever in the new Jerusalem with Jesus. The Apostle John, as he was writing the book of Revelation, understood these things, and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he wrote about a time when, in heaven, as the light of Jesus shines on our new dwelling place, how the kings of the earth will come and bow to Him. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into the glory of Christ because His glory outshines them all. That's what John is saying. And so our groom isn't just this typical royal type groom. Our groom is an amazing king. And we can honor Him by bowing to Him. We can share in His glory because of His grace that He has given to us. And so the bride was preparing to meet Him and honor Him, and we can do the same. It's time to prepare to meet the King. Now, I've never really met a king. Well, not really bad. I've never met a king. My guess is, is when you're about to go meet the king, you prepare for that. Wendy would take me to Kohl's. And we get all ready to go. But I don't think I would walk into the king's presence without thinking about how this is going to go. But the amazing thing is when we meet people that we admire or that we, we put on a pedestal, that meeting is important and it changes us. And this is what it will be like when we meet the king. 
When I was doing broadcasting, I had a chance to meet all kinds of amazing people, broadcasters and athletes, and, and it was really fun to meet people like that, many of whom now you're too young to even know who they are. But there was one occasion where I was working with this man named Ray Scott, who was his legend. He's in the Broadcast Hall of Fame. We were doing a talk show together. And he was the first broadcaster of the Twins and so forth. But we did this talk show together in his restaurant. I was at a Twins game as a media type. I was in the press box. And I was sitting in five or six rows of press. And I'm sitting there and I've got my... I just basically went to eat the food. That's why I went to Twins games, because they give you free food. So I was eating my food and I looked down right in front of me is Bob Costas. Many of you know Bob Costas from the Olympics and NBC Sports. And he's sitting there with his broadcast partner at the time. He was doing the baseball game of the week. And I kind of just sat in my spot, and he sat in his spot. Game ended. I went over to Ray's restaurant. I knew there was going to be some kind of a gathering there. And who walked in but Bob Costas. So he's with some other famous broadcasters. And, and Bob walks up to me, and he goes, Hey, I saw you at the Twins game. And I go, Yeah. He goes, Why didn't you come and sit down next to me and talk? I felt like saying, because you're Bob Costas. He said he should have. But here's the thing. He wasn't offering that to me because of me. He was offering it because he respected Ray. And if I worked with Ray, then I was good in his book. You see, when we meet the king, it's not going to be on our own righteousness. It's not going to be because we deserve it. It's going to be because we are attached to the groom because of his grace. And so we need to begin to prepare. And I think the big question is, as we prepare, is this meeting, is Jesus your number one thing? Is he your number one thing? Or is it popularity? Is it security? Is it financial wherewithal? Is it friends? Is it popularity? Pleasing other people? Comfort? Or is it Jesus? Is He your number one thing? See, if we understand the groom, and if we understand the depth of this wedding and eternity, then all of that other stuff begins to just fade away. It's not really that important. It's not that we can't enjoy the things of life. God has given those to us. But they cannot distract us from the big thing, which is Jesus and the meeting and the wedding. That's what the psalm is talking about. It's talking about this amazing wedding. And for, 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 for we as Christians, when we prepare well to see the groom, then we will... Be like this bride who can enter his presence. Now the Bible also talks about a time when we as believers will meet Jesus at a place that's called the Bema. And that Bema means a seat. It's a seat of judgment in a city where the, where the judge or the ruler would sit and, and, and judge. And for us, it won't be for salvation, but it will be for rewards. And our works will matter. Our priorities will come into focus. 
And, and Paul writes about this. And it's pretty stark and it's pretty humbling. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. Now, what does this mean? This means that this is for believers, right? Because salvation isn't the issue. We'll be saved. But what is at issue is, what were our priorities? Did we build a foundation on precious stones and gold and silver, or did we build it on hay and straw that easily burns? So the question is, is Jesus your number one thing? Eternity is at stake. That passage isn't meant to shame us, or it's not works-based theology. It's meant to remind us that eternity is more important than the temporal. And so we are to orient ourselves to that, to the royal wedding, because Jesus is the King and and we can come to Him as virgins on our wedding day as pure and holy because of His grace, His forgiveness, and His work on the cross. We can be forgiven and we can march into heaven knowing that. We can prepare by giving Him everything. And it won't be wasted time because the psalmist is going to tell us now that the groom will be victorious and you can reign with him. Now this is something that is so hard to get our minds around, but it's the truth. If you look at verses 16 and 17, again, this is a royal psalm looking past this king to the king to come. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth, ruling, reigning. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. There can be little doubt that this psalm was on the mind of John as he's writing Revelation 19. And he's, calling, he's recalling how the bride is being prepared to be with the groom. How, how he's going to usher her into his presence. She's forsaking all others for him. She's coming as a pure virgin in his presence because she has been clean. And the amazing part of this is that we've already been extended an invitation to the wedding, and more specifically in Revelation 19, to something called the marriage supper of the Lamb which will be the culmination of this meeting with Jesus. John writes about this in Revelation 19, 6-9. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory, for 
The marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. have to be invited. You have to be invited. You can't go if you don't get an invitation. The Mary's Supper of the Lamb are for those that follow Jesus Christ. And so it's important to have the right priorities. It's important to prepare for our meeting with the King. But the question is, how do we do it? Let me just give you a few steps to preparation for our royal wedding. Now, these are just my ideas. This is my list. You can probably come up with others. But it's important that we start to do it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. We don't know how much time we have. We don't. And, And Jesus is coming back. And so, first, this is really important. See your royal wedding as a priority. Don't categorize it. Don't put it in a corner. Don't just make it a part of your life. Make it your life. Orient yourself toward it. Make God your number one thing in your life. Don't be distracted by tire. The richness of the world. Don't let yourself be taken off track. It's too important. When you meet Jesus Christ, though salvation is not an issue, you don't want to look at Jesus in the eye and and, 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 and know that there, you could have done more. And I don't know if there will be regret there or not, but something will happen where there will be an accounting. And I, for one, want to look at Jesus in the eye and have Him look at me and know, yeah, man, like you, you were imperfect, but I cleansed you and you were sold out, and I love you. That's what I want to, that's what I want to have happen. And I don't mean to guilt you with that, but Oswald Chambers, the great writer, he said It's God first. It's God second. It's God third. In other words, God's everything. So get priorities right in order to get ready. Secondly, give your life to the groom and become his disciple. Now, for those of you who are already walking with Jesus, I want to exhort you and encourage you to go deeper as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Spend the time. Spend the effort to go deeper. If you don't know Jesus, you can be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb by repenting of your sin and believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's, That's the problem. That's why not everyone's invited. Because we have a sin problem. We we are broken because of what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve rebelled as representatives of the human race. And so now, hanging over all of this is this cloud of sin and death. Man, I was standing here yesterday doing the funeral for a nine-year-old girl. That's not supposed to be the way it is. We're all touched by this brokenness and death. And the only hope is to deal with the sin problem. 
Because Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so we can't talk about people getting saved if we don't know what they're being saved from. And the Bible's very clear that if we don't deal with sin, it leads to eternal separation from God in hell. That's just the reality. I know when you say the word hell, everybody calls you a fire and brimstoner. Let me tell you something, man. It's a reality. Better get serious about it. And every day that goes by, by doing nonsense and distraction, people are dealing with this sin in a way that we don't want them to. But that same verse... It's so exciting, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Free gift by simple belief. And, and, and through that we can have freedom. Freedom from all of the stuff that just drags us down from shame and oppression and addiction. And We can have freedom and joy and wholeness, but more importantly we can live forever and we can go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We can go to the wedding. Not because we've done anything, but we've simply believed. Jesus was calling people to belief. When he dealt with people one-on-one, when they were were sinners and and they had done terrible things, he would tell them, don't sin anymore, but he would more call them to belief. He would call them to belief. And so this morning, you have an opportunity to Become a disciple, but you have to understand who Jesus is and walk in to that belief. And then the the third thing I would say as you prepare for the wedding is to get into Christian community. Man, carpool to the wedding. Get with people who are going the same direction you are. Get with people that care about the things that are important. Get with people that can keep you accountable. And so you'll, as you move toward that marriage supper, you will do it in a way that honors God and honors others. And then here's the last thing I would say, is use Christmas as a time to honor the eternal King. This is a perfect time of year. Not only for our own introspection, as we we think about a village that Jesus came into this backwards, out-of-the-way place called Bethlehem. And, and God incarnate, God became man, and in this whole incredible redemptive play kept moving along for us. Not just to think about that, but to think about what Chad said. Who can we help be invited to the wedding? Who can we give RSVPs to that they can fill out, be a part of this. And that's why when you walk out of here today, we're going to give you this card. And I'm going to challenge every one of you today. I want you to take 10 of these. You think, 10? It won't take you that long to distribute 10 of these. Take 10. Man, we could reach four or 5,000 people with an invitation if you do that. Because this is such an easy way to say, you know what? God loves you. we got this thing going on at our church. It's going, to be, it's going to be really cool. We're going to do candles. The music's going to be great. The pastor's not so good. But everything else is going to be really good. I know that the royal weddings are big business and they're really cool. And I don't really get it, but a lot of people do. But here's 
the important thing is there will be a wedding that is surpassing all other events. It's with the groom, Jesus Christ. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to come up short. I don't want you to regret. I want you to live your life fully for Jesus. So why don't you just take a minute and bow your head and just think about where you are. And I want you to, as you meditate on this, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, are you prepared to meet the King for believers? Are you putting Jesus number one? And if you aren't a follower of Jesus, are you willing today to repent of your sin, to say you're sorry, and believe in the name of Jesus? Just think about that for a minute or two, and then I'll close in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.